Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Say the difference maker. And I started it last week, and, it, and I gave you, those of you, uh, it's, it's shocking to me, in a, uh, not in a condemnational way, but it's shocking to me how many Christians have been walking with the Lord for so many years and don't have, uh, have very little understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and yet they love God, but there's so much more that we are missing. And uh, the Holy Spirit is all through the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament. And so last week we had, a, for a quick review for those who are not here, if anybody wants a crash course or a basic crash course on the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of scriptures you could go to, but my recommendation is John 16. John chapter 16 tells us in a snapshot what the Holy Spirit is about, Jesus told us, if I don't go away, then the helper will not come. And in the, in the tra- uh, Passion Translation, we, we saw that it was na- uh, the Holy Spirit was named Divine Encourager. Come on, we have a Divine Encourager to help us. You're not doing this alone. So we, we talked about five things, and I was going to get to six. The sixth one uh, is so deep, I'm not going to do it today, uh, because the sixth one is that Quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I'm going to get to that maybe in the next couple weeks or so if the Lord allows me to because what I have to share about that is very sobering. And uh, I have stories of young people that got encountered with the Lord, didn't know that they were grieving with uh, the Holy Spirit and and things that happened to them uh, that made them change their lives. So we found out the Holy Spirit is a person. Say a person. He's not a it, he's not a thing. The Bible says when I send him, he will come to you and he will help you. Number two, I'm flying by this fast, okay? The Holy Spirit is our encourager, the paraclete, which means he's our defender. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us and he, he walks with us and he is our helper in time of need. So paracletos is comforter, helper, divine encourager. Number three, we found out that the Holy Spirit is our convictor of sin. Amen to that. And only God can convict sin. And we talked about scriptures that the Holy Spirit is God. There's God in three persons. Amen. They have the responsibility. I'm going to try to break that down for you today. All right. Fourthly, we found out that the Holy Spirit illuminates truth to us. If you read the Bible just as a history book, you will miss the truths that are in the scriptures. So the Holy Spirit is the one who, watches illuminates truth to us. Even Jesus, he said, what I have to say, you don't understand it yet because the helper was here. You can't understand it, right? And, 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 and so he says, but when the spirit of truth comes, comes you'll understand these things, right? So we talked about the letter kills and the spirit gives life. Amen. And number five, we talked about the Holy Spirit. Here's, hear me now. Always glorifies Jesus. Jesus says he will take what's of mine and bring it to you and he will glorify me. I love that. Because some people say, why are you talking so much about the Holy Spirit? We need to talk about Jesus. Every time we talk about the Holy Spirit, he points to Jesus. And so I told the church last week, what does, what does the Holy Spirit think about babies? What does Jesus think about babies? What does the Holy Spirit think about abortion? What does Jesus think about abortion? What does the Holy Spirit think about Israel? What does Jesus think about Israel? Same thing. Amen? But we need, but he's a real person and he wants to talk to you. And he wants you to talk back to him. I said this last week, but it's very important. I need to 
make sure that you guys understand theologically that Jesus is not here on the earth right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the, the, and the, the Godhead that is here is the Holy Spirit to manifest his work on the earth through us. Amen? Amen? Okay, so with that said, I want you to put the first slide up there, Zach. Zach, you're a superhero. He comes up there, he, he, he worships, and he's back there in the media team. Now watch this. I want you to, I want to get deep, and I'm going to give you some scriptures, and hopefully by the end of today, we're going to say, God, I want to re-sign up to have the characteristics of a spirit-filled life, because I'm giving you a foreshadow today. I'm going to give you a couple of, you can keep that up there, a couple of of points today that I feel described as much more, I'm just touching a little bit, a truly spirit-filled life, not this quacky kookiness that you think the spirit-filled life is. And, and yeah, I, I believe in falling down under the power of God. But if you're not changed when you fall down under the power of God and you still keep cursing and being angry, that is all you just did was get knocked down. <laughs> Come on, say amen. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who, watch this, Manifest, everybody say manifest. This is important. I, I, I want everyone to tune in because I'm going to give you a lesson here. All right? He manifests God's work and power in your life and on the earth. Say manifest. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker in our lives. This is, what's, this is one of the things that separates Christianity from all other so-called religions, which is what? One of the main things is what? That God is alive, and you ready for this? And he decided to live in humanity. This is what separates us as Christians from every other so-called religion. That God is alive, and by his spirit, the fullness of God lives inside of every believer. Oh man, I thought I was going to get more amens than that. It's because we really don't know who is living inside of us. And we quote scriptures like, greater is he that's in me who he is in this world. Do you know what he's talking about when he says greater is he? He is talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But most Christians don't activate the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit. They don't invite him in. Oh, Brother George, you don't need to invite him in. He's already there. Let me tell you something. He wants engagement. He wants engagement. I told that the, there's a, a, and I'm going to share about this maybe in a couple of weeks, but the Apostle Paul knew something that us Christians don't know. As a matter of fact, the early church knew a lot about the, the, the church and about the Holy Spirit that we don't know. Why? Because the end of 2 Corinthians, you know what he says? He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So if that was automatic, Paul the Apostle will not say, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Why would the Apostle Paul say, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you if it was already automatic? So, so he said, may the, the, love of, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He understood that there was a depth that we're not tapping into. There is a depth in God that you tap into through a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I said this last week, you walk in the Spirit to the degree you talk to the Spirit and fellowship with the Spirit. So you have to understand that He is the difference maker. So for example, for example, if four or five hyenas were coming to a little French poodle, right? And they're about to devour a little French poodle. You would not say to the French poodle, French poodle, arise, the lion inside of you. Awaken the lion inside of you. And you can pray that all you want, but the French poodle is going to get devoured in about four or five seconds. But if God, 
wanted a French poodle to defeat hyenas, he would have to put the spirit of a lion inside of the poodle. If he wanted the poodle to be successful against that enemy, he would have to put something greater that was in the enemy, which was himself. He put God, the Holy Spirit, inside of us because we could not defeat the devil in our flesh. I have a newsflash for you. You can rebuke things all you want. You can rebuke devils even in the name of Jesus. If you are not saved and you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you will get beat down by that devil. And it's in scripture. There was, a sort, there was somebody that wanted to cast out demons because they saw the apostles do it. And they're like, hey, man, that's cool. I love that. Hey, by the, <laughs> it was already a foreshadow. Hey, by the Jesus that Paul preaches, like I don't even know him, but by the Jesus that Paul preaches, I cast you out. And I love the, de- the demon spoke, y'all. The demon spoke through a man who was possessed and says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Could you imagine could you imagine the demon speaking through someone's like, who are you? I know Paul. He's wrecked havoc to the kingdom of darkness. I know Jesus. He defeated all of us. But who are you? You have no relationship. You have no Holy Spirit inside of you. Huh? Huh? So, so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Say one. But they have different roles. So how do the three work together? Okay. Real quick, because I have a lot of information. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 5 through 7 gives us a little window to how the Godhead works together, all right? Now, 1 Corinthians, now, I made a mistake. This is in the, in the King James Version, Zach. So that's my bad. Jesus, will, will, Mr. Jesus will get on me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 7 in the old King James Version. Now, now wait, I, and I know this is familiar, okay? I know this is uh, the famous chapter, the gifts of the Spirit, and we tend to just only see uh, the work of the Holy Spirit here, right? But they're one. But I want you to see this. I'm going to prove it by breaking down words that are different, okay? Just so you know, all right? So th- now there are diversities in gifts, but the, sp- but the same Spirit, verse 5. And there are differences in administration. Say administration. This is going to be good. But the same Lord. Say Lord. And there are differences in operations. Say operations. Come on, operations. Notice different words here, right? But the same God. Okay, say God. Which worketh in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, if you notice, there's three different words there in these verses. There's uh, um, Spirit, there's Lord, and there's God. So I want you to, I want you to see something, so I broke it down. The, ver- the word Lord in the Greek in verse 5 is kurios. Have you ever heard of that word? Kurios, okay? Which means master, owner, Messiah in the Greek, right? There's many other definitions of, of that in the Greek um, uh, translation of that word, but mostly it is master, owner, and it actually says Messiah in the word Lord in verse, verse 5, where it says there are, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Now, it, the word God in verse 6, and it says there's, uh, and there are diversities of operations, but the same God. That word God in the Greek means theos. And theos is uh, translated in the Greek as the one true God. It also describes the Godhead in there. But some theologians translate that as meaning mostly the heavenly father. Okay? Now watch. And then it says, and the spirit, the manifestation of the spirit. Now the Greek word for spirit there in verse 7 is pneuma, P 
B-R-E-A-T-H-N-E-U-M-A. And I heard you, you break that down as breath, wind, or spirit, particularly the Holy Spirit. Now watch. Now wait, wait a minute. So you construction workers are going to love me because I have an illustration here. So watch this. So the Father operates or initiates. Every time he, I say operate, he initiates. The Father operates. Say the Father initiates. Jesus administrates. The Holy Spirit manifests. The Father initiates. Father initiates. Jesus administrates. And the Holy Spirit manifests. He's the worker of creation. He's the manifester of creation. Now put that slide up there. The Holy Spirit is the manifester of creation. Come on, say amen. Now, to, to understand this, now you construction workers, you'll be proud of me because I can't build nothing. That was a bad grammar. I cannot build anything, right? But if you're in construction, this is how I, I want to explain the, the Godhead for you with their different functions, okay? Administrator, right? This is just a s- prophetic symbolism. Administrator, right? And, and, and uh, the, the uh, person who does the administration, the Godhead, the work, okay? But in the... And the illustration I want to say is to understand this, like to build a house, we need, uh, how many construction workers are here? So I want to make sure that I'm looking at you right. So to build a house, you need a lot of things, but you need three main things. You need an architect. Boy, do we know about an architect here. Before we even did anything, there had to be blueprints, plans. So you need an architect. Then you need a foreman. Now a foreman, what's a foreman? Does anybody know what a foreman is? Am I right? Am I right, guys? So a foreman is a leader of a crew that leads by example. This is how it's done. Watch me do it. This is how it's done. That's a foreman. And then you need the workers. So if you're building a house, the father, prophetically speaking, is the one who is the architect. Watch this. The architect of the design. Jesus is the foreman and the Holy Spirit is the one who builds the house. That's how I want you to realize the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on, say amen. And remember way back in Genesis when the Bible says that the Father was the creator of everything? In essence, he was the architect of the blueprints that he already drew. And watch this. And he had the earth, but the earth was without form and void. Right? But guess who was on the earth hovering over the waters waiting for a command from the Father? Why would the Holy Spirit just be chilling on earth? Because he knew they all work in one and he was about to manifest something. Do you remember what happened in Genesis when it was empty and void and the architect, the Father, was about to speak? Look at Genesis chapter 1 in the NLT. It's going to be up on the screen. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. The earth was, out, was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. Oh, I love this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of, of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. That, that, okay? Let there be light. Now, I'm not saying that the Father uh, didn't have any power to do that. I'm trying to tell you that all of them behind the scenes work together as one. So the Father said, let there be light. And I believe the Holy Spirit says, let there be light and manifested what the Father said. 
He manifests the work. He was on the earth. It was formless. He said, let there be light. Watch this. And there was light. The Father spoke it, and the Holy Spirit manifested. Just like Jesus. Jesus said, I cannot do anything unless I see the Father doing it. And so watch this. I love that the Bible says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. Hear me now. I'm going to get a little preacher here, but I'm, I'm going to give you a prophetic insight of something. He said, I love that the Holy Spirit says he was hovering over the waters of the earth, and the earth was formless, empty, and void. It was formless, and it was empty, and it was dark, yet the Holy Spirit, there was nothing, the Holy Spirit was just hovering and waiting for a command from the Father. Oh my God, I feel like preaching in here, because I have good news for you, because in your life, there may be some areas that you feel formless in your walk with God, and you feel dark, and you have no, and it's totally empty, but I want to tell you, keep waiting, keep being faithful, because soon the Father is going to speak and the spirit of God is going to shine his light on you and through you and I, and I love that the very first command was let there be light and the, and the Holy Spirit is about to manifest the Father and the Lord's voice and his plans into your life even in your empty situation and darkness he is not intimidated about emptiness or darkness or formlessness he was actually hovering over darkness hovering over formlessness and hovering over emptiness and he was waiting for Father to say let there be light and poof, let there, there was light come on Oh, he's about to shine. The Holy Spirit is about to shine on you. Arise, shine for the light. Your light has come. Your light has come. He is the one who gives beauty for ashes. He is the one who comforts the morn. He is the one who gives oil for mourning. He is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You say, that's not the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Listen to me, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. He's anointed me to preach the gospel, to set those that, uh, that are imprisoned in open doors, to have beauty for ashes. Same Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, to comfort those who mourn. To give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. Say amen. Somebody ought to praise God for sending the Holy Spirit. Somebody ought to praise God for the Father saying, I have enough wisdom to not leave them alone. And I love what Jesus said. I'm not going to leave you orphans. Thank you, Jesus, that you just didn't resurrect and conquer death, hell, and the grave and leave humanity by himself. He sent the Holy Spirit. Do you know who lives inside of you? Do you know who lives inside of you? If you did, you would not be acting the way you are most of the time. And I'm going there in a second. I'm going there because there are clear qualities and manifestations. Put that slide up. There's clear qualities. Are you getting something this morning? And manifestations. Look at this. Look at the screen. And every born-again believer, when someone is truly born again and filled with the Spirit. It is impossible to say you're a Christian and filled with the Spirit and not be unquestionably different than before you met Him. It is, put that slide up. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. It is impossible, 
It is impossible to claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit, watch this, and not be unquestionably different. Oh, man, I'm going to bust some bubbles here. And not be unquestionably different than you were before you encountered him. If you say, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's absolutely little change in your life, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You may have said a prayer, uh, uh, and I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm just saying, I'm going to tell you biblically. The New Testament saints didn't have, uh, uh, when they were filled with the Spirit, they weren't just going around cursing every now and then and partying every now and then, all in the name of grace. They They were unquestionably different. Night and day. If people can't see a difference in you, so we, we have, watch this, I, I, I've come up with a, with a fresh definition the last probably five years. When I was at OHOP, the, the Lord just gave me this revelation. The last five or six years, I've come up with a fresh revelation of what a Holy Spirit-filled believer is. When we think what a Holy Spirit believer is, is, oh no, hallelujah, woo Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, 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 glory to God. Look at the Holy Spirit on me. No, I'm going to tell you scripturally that there is more to just manifestation. There is power and walking in life and authority. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 in the Passion Translation. I love this. Are you ready? Passion Translation. Look what it says. And I, when I first read this in the King James Version, I thought, like, this was, like, the West Side story. Like, we had to sing to each other, like, hi, Enrique, hi, Pastor, hi, Louis, we're going to go to the church. Because, you know, I read it like you have to sing to each other, right? <laughs> Don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. I love the way that TPC said, TPL said it, right? Whatever, the, <laughs> the Passion Translation, the Passion Translation, TPT. Watch this. Instead, I want you to shout this with me. Be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Wait, wait, wait. He's talking to believers. So if this, again, was automatic, he would not be saying it. Church, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. God is still saying, desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love that he says, do not be drunk, with, because that's a prophetic sign. If, if God is not filling you, something else is. So if he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's uh, an addiction. Maybe it's uh, your desires to want to do whatever you want to do and not follow God. But let me tell you something. If something is filling your life, he is. So watch this. And your hearts, watch this. Go back just one more verse so that they can see it. Do not be drunk with wine, uh, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Now look at verse 18. Here's uh, uh, attributes of a spirit-filled Christian. And your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Wait, and then, when you're full of the Spirit, you will constantly have this joyful song to the Lord Jehovah and keep speaking to each other with words of Scripture. And I love how this speaks because in, in, in many of the translations it says in psalms and spiritual songs, right? But he says sing to each other in psalms. P-S-A-L-M-N. What are Psalms? Scriptures. Oh, boy. Keep speaking to each other with words of Scripture. These are manifestations of spiritual Christian, okay? Singing the Psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. Keep going. Keep going. Always giving thanks to the Father. 
<laughs> for every person brings into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive or submissive in one, of one another. Now, where in this scripture do you see the characteristics of the spirit-filled Christian getting drunk and blasted like we think getting filled with the Spirit is? Now, I'm not saying that getting spiritually drunk, whatever, it's not, but we have made an idol of these manifestations, and many of them are not the Holy Spirit. Not one time do you see a spiritual Christian is supposed to act drunk all the time in the name of the Lord. Well, I'm just, I'm just blasted by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah, yet you're passing somebody that needs prayer. Yet you're passing somebody that needs attention from God. All in the name of you getting spiritually drunk in the Lord or spiritually high, whatever you want to call it. You know what a manifestation of a spiritual Christian is? You, you want to know what a spiritual Christian is? Is this. The spiritual Christian, number one, put that first slide up, has sustained joy, watch this, in every situation, especially in the midst of any trial, tribulation, or persecution. Now, I need you to really hear what I'm about to say. The whole, one, of the, one of the manifestations or attributes of a spirit-filled believer is they have true, authentic, pure joy. Not, not the joy that we think of. I want to break it down. That sustains them. That's the key. It's a sustaining joy. It's a joy that sustains them to be unmovable in every trial and tribulation. And they still are joyful for it. The Holy Spirit will actually give every believer joy which equals to strength. In the midst of if true Holy Spirit filled Christians will have joy in the most problem, hardest problems. Excuse me. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is our, now, now watch this, now watch this, Acts chapter 13, look at this. One of the most overlooked qualities, please zoom in on me, one of the most overlooked qualities of a spiritual Christian is the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now how many of you have heard that, that phrase before? Joy in the Holy Spirit, joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I got joy in the Holy Ghost. What do we think, come on, let's be honest, let's be honest, you don't have to shout it. What do we think in our charismatic circles, circles when somebody says, man, he's filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost. You have this idea of someone going, <laughs> I'm not knocking manifestation, okay? I just want you to feel me. We think that that is only the joy of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that they were about to get their heads chopped off? They were about to, these early saints, they were about to get persecuted, and they needed some strength to keep on going, even when people said, if you speak on that name again, we will beat you. We will kill you. And I want, to see, I want you to see this. Oh, you're going to enjoy this. Acts chapter 13, verse 50. Are you ready? The Jewish leaders stirred up a violent mob against Paul and Barnabas. This is after the Holy Spirit came. So they already saved. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now watch the, watch the manifestation of a spirit-filled Christian. Including many prominent and wealthy people of the city. Watch this. They, pers they persecuted them and ran them out of town. Okay? As they left, they shook the dust off the feet. They got severely persecuted as a sign of protest against them. And they went on to the city of Iconium. They left the new converts in Antioch, watch this, overflowing with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They just 
got persecuted, and that word persecuted, probably, they probably got whipped. They probably got uh, persecuted in a lot of other ways. And when they left, most Christians, if we stand up for Jesus in our jobs and we get fired, persecuted in some sort of way for righteousness, then we stop serving the Lord. And we like, the Lord was never with me. And we start complaining. And, but these guys, they started having joy in the Holy Spirit. The joy sustains you through your trials. There's, there's a joy that is more deeper than a manifestation of Holy Spirit drunkenness. There's a joy that you and I can walk in that truly sees everything as nothing can harm you and nothing can affect you. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, you don't have to say this, in Romans 14 and 17, he wrote something so powerful. He says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm a little old time. How many remember Ron Cannoli? How many remember who Ron Cannoli is? All right, so you remember, there was a song years ago, remember? Righteousness, peace. Joy in the Holy Ghost. And he had a little Jamaican Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? (laughs) Righteousness, peace. Listen, 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 listen. Listen that he didn't say drunkenness, joy. He said joy in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Joy in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Couple of questions for you. How do you currently respond to trials and persecutions in your life? Does your reaction match the reaction of the early church that was filled with joy? Come on, church. You're not amening me. Come on, young people. I'm talking to you as well. Do you have true joy of the Holy Spirit or do you have the external version of joy that we've come to embrace in our charismatic circles? The external version of joy. You know, in the four Gospels before the Holy Spirit came, in the four Gospels, whenever there was trials and tribulations, the disciples didn't have joy. They were sad. They were fearful. They were questioning. They were confused. What do you mean when you're leaving? When you're leaving, no, you're not leaving. You can't do that. Peter, no, 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 no. Everything was, 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 but after the Holy Spirit came, watch this, Acts chapter 4. Woo, sorry, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5. Man, I got to hurry, but I got so much to give you. Acts chapter 5, verse 40 in the Message Bible. Look at this. Look up on the screen. Watch this. That convinced him there was, a, there was a, a, a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel, okay? And he kind of warned these council, these judges, and these councils, and these religious leaders. He goes, guys, I know you're going to beat Paul down, and I know you're going to beat them down, but hey, I want to pull you aside and say, listen, a few years ago, a few moments ago, there was a couple movements there, and it, didn't, it fizzled out. He said, but if this is not from God, they'll fizzle out, and they'll get overthrown. He said, this is a Pharisee. This, just, this is what happened before this, this scripture. And the Pharisees said, but if it is from God, if these guys are talking from God, you and I find ourselves fighting against God. You better leave them alone, right? That convinced them. That, that's where we pick up. They called the apostles back. Oh, man, look at this, guys. Look at this. Look at, say joy. A spirit-filled believer has authentic, spirit-filled joy that sustains them. Look at this. They called the apostles back in after giving them a thorough whipping. I'm going to break that down in 2020 for a second. A thorough whipping. In other words, a beat down. (laughs) Thorough whipping. 
they warned them. Guys, guys, look at me. If you just got beat to a pulp, and you said, and they said, in order to avoid this happening again, don't speak in Jesus. Sadly, most people would be like, I'm out. That's cool. I just have a private a relationship with Jesus. I'm good. I'm not going to get beat down again. And you would be angry. Come on, some of you guys. I know some of you guys from, from Miami and Bronx and New York, whatever you are. You'd be, like, you'd be like, oh, 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 it's on now. <laughs> it's on now. We're... You beat me down. Hey, Lou, hey, 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 hey all these guys. Just... Right? No, no. But watch this. After a thorough whipping, say thorough whipping. Say beat down. Okay. They warned them. Watch this. They warned them not to speak in Jesus' name. All right? Pretty cool, right? You have a way of escape. Don't speak in Jesus anymore. I won't beat you down again. Right? Look at the next verse. The apostles went out of the high council overjoyed because they had been given the honor of being dishonored on the count of the name of Jesus. This is how, come here, Enrique, come here. This is how the modern day church, this is how that scripture, in, in the 2020, this is the translation of that scripture. Uh, uh, that scripture. Go back to verse, four, verse 40. Verse 40, Zach. This is how in 2020 uh, uh, that, w- that, w- that would translate. They said, after they got a beat down, right, they, <laughs> they, 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 they continue. Now watch. Let's, let's say I'm the, me and, and Enrique are the apostles. C- come, here, come here, PK. Now this is, the, the, this is how, unfortunately, many modern day Christians act. So get behind me. So remember, it's the court system and the religious leaders of the day. And they're beating them down. Go ahead, be, be, beat us down. <laughs> I don't know if you're beating them. Oh, there you go. Get him too, get him too. Oh, there you go. All right. So, so you get down. This is, this is what many Christians in 2020, even in this church, will do. I can't believe this. God is not real. Let's get him. I, no, no, no. Let's get him. I can't believe that God did this. He's not with us, man. He's not with us, man. You just got to give up, man. Or we'll go out after him, right? That's, that's we're going to give up. Now watch this. This is how spirit-filled Christians reacted and should react. Go ahead. Ah, ah, ah. Don't speak of Jesus anymore. Watch. They leave this and they're like, <laughs> we got beat down for Jesus. I know this. Come on, give it up for me. <laughs> really, I can imagine the conversation. Hey, Paul. Listen, probably limping. What an honor it is. We got beat down for Jesus because we're doing the right thing. Jesus said that they'll, they're going to hate. They're going to hate us. So let's just keep doing it. And our life means nothing to us. What sustained them? Joy. You're not hearing me this morning. Now you know how you activate that joy completely in your life is the second characteristic of a spirit-filled Christian: a lifestyle of worship and singing to the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, right? Right? And then you will have joyful singing. Two different words. Joyful and singing. The second attribute of a spirit. You want, again, this is not the typical charismatic message that you were thinking about in the Holy Spirit. Right? The qualities of a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, please, please hear me because I've had pockets of this, so I know this is to be true. That you have a song in your spirit all the time. 
you're going through something, you're going through a car, and you're singing. You're at work, you're singing. And you're, in the, you're going through the trials. I've gone through deep trials. And, when, and, and all of a sudden, bubbling up will be a song, an old song like, The steadfast love of the, I'm singing a lot today, of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. If you know it, sing it with me. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Honest to God, those things would just bubble up inside of me in my darkest times. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Then activate singing and worship, and it will sustain you. It will sustain you. And all of a sudden, your problems that you came in with will go away because you, you have to realize, what did Paul and Silas do? In the natural, it does not make sense. If me and PK were in jail, and we got beat down, and we got scars all over us, and we're chained up, we're going to be like, what are we going to do? I'm hungry. I'm hurting. They're like, hey, I have an idea. Let's sing. That doesn't make sense in the natural, but it does make sense in the spirit-filled person. It makes sense in the kingdom of God. It was natural for them to sing because they were filled with the spirit of God and no chains could stop them from worshiping. I have an idea, Silas. Let's sing. Let's sing together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Come on, a little louder. <clears throat> to worship you. And they're all like, oh, my soul. They didn't sing this, but, they're, you know, I'm just rejoice. All right. Take joy, my king. You can keep singing. I don't. All of a sudden, the chains broke. While they were worshiping. While they were singing. In my mind, uh, this is just a theory. I can't say thus saith the Lord. I don't think they knew that their singing was going to break chains. This has never happened before. But they were not singing so that God could do something for them. They were singing because they were overflowed with such joy that even in chains, there was a river of joy of the Holy Spirit that could not be stopped. And they said, you could put me in chains, but you can never chain up my worship. You can never chain up my praise chains broke because a spiritual christian always has a song in their heart and it doesn't matter if you can sing or not it matters if what is happening in your heart we need to bring that back you want to be spirit filled ask the holy spirit to fill you to a point where you get to the point where you don't even have to make it up it just starts coming up the bible says out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters Part of that living waters is singing and worshiping. Oh, my God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll have a joyful singing. Right after he says, be filled with the Spirit, the manifestation of a Spirit-filled person is singing. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. Man, I got to hurry. How many enjoying this? Now watch this. Here's the third attribute of a spirit-filled person based on New Testament. New Testament. Ready? Put that up there. Third attribute, great knowledge and wisdom. Great knowledge and wisdom. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you need to shout that because wisdom will prevent you from doing some foolish stuff. 
great knowledge and wisdom from the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, if you're constantly filled with the Spirit, He will augment or He will increase the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. You remember in Isaiah 11, chapter 2, He describes what the Holy Spirit manifestation will be on Jesus, the branch, right? But what Jesus had, He also gave to us. So He said, one of the spirits that came will come on Jesus is a spirit of wisdom and understanding. In the four Gospels, the, the disciples were constantly asking questions. In the, in the four Gospels, before the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them, they were constantly asking questions. They didn't understand. As a matter of fact, I remember a time where Jesus, they didn't understand Jesus, right? So they, they, Jesus is like, hey, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I go to wake him up. Right? We, we kind of know what that means, right? But he was using spiritual language to see if they could understand the boy was dead. Lazarus was dead, right? So he goes, hey, we're going to go see our friend Lazarus. He's asleep. I'm going to wake him up. And one of the disciples goes, great, because if he's asleep, he's going to wake up already, right? Jesus, I can imagine Jesus going, look, man, Lazarus is dead. He said it plain. He goes, you don't understand. But watch this. In the four gospels, the disciples they were constantly asking questions. Who's going to be the greatest, right? Who's going to do that? They, they didn't have any wisdom. But after the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were answering questions. Look, look, look at this. Oh, I'm, I'm preaching good today. Look, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Look at verse, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. How many want wisdom and understanding? Come on. I need the young people to raise their hand too. There you go. <laughs> Watch this. In the, in the Passion Translation, Stephen, who was a man full of grace. Look at this. I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I, I want you to see this. Give me, give me a little bit more time this morning. I promise I'll try to be quick. Performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. This upset some of, the, of them belonging to a sect who called themselves the men set free. This is in the Passion Translation. They were Libyans, Egyptians, and Turks. They all confronted Stephen. Watch this, guys, to argue with him. B before you read, before you read. The, Jesus, Stephen was so filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, 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 it's so, it, they said this in several times that Stephen was filled, so much so that his face at one time glowed while he was being questioning, like an angel. He was so filled with the Spirit, right? Watch this. They came out to argue against Stephen, but the Holy, say the Holy Spirit, say the Holy Spirit, say the Holy Spirit, gave Stephen remarkable wisdom. To answer them. And his words were prompted by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. This is gangster. And they could not refute what he said. They're like, yeah, but what about this? And Stephen, Stephen would just discombobulate everything. They'd be like, I'll get back to you. Hey, man, he said this. He's right. The Bible says they couldn't refute. That's why they killed him. Because they got so angry that they could not refute what he says. Why? Because a spirit-filled believer is filled with wisdom. Can I just, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that I'm speaking to myself right now. A lot of times we have these cli uh, Christian cliches that we walk with for so long that actually we don't know that sometimes it's not what God wants. Now, now please hear what I'm saying because if you misinterpret what I'm about to say, you're going to be like, oh no. This is Someone comes up to you and they're, and they're in great need, right? And they're needing some wisdom. And most of the time, what do Christians say? I'm going to pray about it. I get back to you. That's still good. That is good. We need to pray about it. But what if we're filled with the Spirit so much that we already have the answer before they, before they ask? Because, we, because the Spirit of wisdom will come upon us to give us wisdom for somebody that needs direction. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. 
You just listen. There's times I've been talking to people and I've been explaining something and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes on them and they said, well, this is what I feel that needs to be done because this is what's happening. And they describe everything that's happening. Spiritual Christian is not just drunkenness spiritually. It's character. It's boldness. So, 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 so wisdom and understanding. Say wisdom and understanding. I, I need the worship team to come up here. I need a worship team because I got two more. The worship team come up. Now, look at this. I'm going to talk more about this next week, if the Lord allows me to. The number four, I'm going to expand on this. Number four, the fourth characteristic of a spirit-filled believer, authority and boldness. Oh, boy. Authority and boldness. And I want to say this. The authority and boldness that God is talking about is not your personality type. You may say, well, I don't have boldness because I'm an introvert. No, no, no. The Bible says that Jesus cast out demons with a word. There is no mentioning in Scripture that he yelled or his personality was charismatic, and that's why he was able to, to, to cast out demons. He just said, out. <laughs> out. That's it. With a word. Us charismatic. Oh, come on in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, everybody. Everybody, come on, pray, 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 pray. pray. I understand we need to pray, but we do that for our lack of power and authority that we have in our life. And we have to work it up. I understand that. But Jesus never worked it up. Watch this. You know, there's a difference between authority and power, okay? Power, everybody say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's a difference between power and authority. Hear me now. Don't get distracted. Hear me. Look at me. I don't know what's happening over there, but it's okay. Power in the Greek is dunamis, which means ability given to somebody that otherwise would not be able to do on its own. Authority is exousia, which means permission granted to do something. Permission granted and position, you're in in Christ, jurisdiction. Actually, the word exousia also means jurisdiction. You, You have the power to execute and apply the king's rule. You know why demons have to to, to obey you? You know why sickness has to flee? Because they have to obey the ruler of the one that he was sent to you. He's the one who gave you jurisdiction and power. And when he sees you, he sees the judge. He sees the one who gave jurisdiction. He gave us power and authority. Guys, guys, look at me. What are you dealing with in your life that you desperately need authority and the power of God in? That you, need, that you need to walk in authority and not like, the, the opposite of authority is allowing you and complaining yourself to get beat down all the time. Woe is me. Life is horrible. I can't believe what's happening to me. I can't stand the church. They hurt me. I can't stand this person. I, you know what? I'm not going to go to church. Other than saying, you know what? I'm not going to allow any of that to affect me. I'm going to walk in authority and in power because you can't take away something that you never gave me. I was talking to Felix yesterday at the men's. There was a lady there, bless her heart, and she kept correcting me. <laughs> Tiffany, she got that. No, you don't do that. You can't do that. I was like, okay. Well, I need, I need a glass of water. Uh, you can't take that, but you can't take that glass of water. It's, it, it's in there. And she was kind of like, getting like, and, and I was just, I was just calm, right? <laughs> Felix was there with me. With me. And then I, then I was like, okay, here's the, here's the, the salad. 
And she's like, you can't put dump the salad in there. You have to dump it here. And I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure that I do it right, right? And the last thing I did was I got the glass, right? The glass. She said, please don't pour that glass. Every single time she was correcting me, right? And then I said to her, Lysney, I, and I, but watch this. Authority and boldness is also making sure that you're walking in that confidence that you don't give in to all these negative emotions. So I just said, where, he was with me so he could testify. I said, where do I put this water? Because I want to make sure I obey right, that I do it right. right? And she kind of smiled. She goes, just dump it over there. I dumped it over there. And then Felice goes, man, he was, she was really correcting you. I go, I don't, I don't. They can't take away what they never gave me. I'm not going to get bent out of shape for somebody that doesn't even know me. I could have said, you know, I'm the pastor of this retreat, right? You know who you're talking to? We paid a lot of money to be here. I didn't do that. I was just, I was like a servant. She had no clue my authority level, but I did. I knew. It didn't bother me, right, Felix? He's like, man, you handled that really good. I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I don't even know this person. She's, I, said, I said to him, I said, she probably has all these camps over and over again. She's just tired. And she's just pro- probably think I'm just this knucklehead that's trying to, 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 to make more work for her. She actually said, that. don't do that. You'll make more work for me. I'm like, okay. Say authority. Say power. You know, when a king's daughter or a king's son is walking and they know who they are, they don't walk trying to prove to everybody who they are. They just walk in the building. I remember the Super Bowl years ago, the son of the coach came. There's all these security guards, and I saw the son. There's all these tapes, and the son, like seven years old, of the coach was coming in. And I remember there was a camera that was like panning to it, and I heard someone say, that's the coach's son. Let him in. Open the thing. He just came in right on the sidelines with all the football players, high-fiving them. Not a care in this world. In his mind, he had access all the time. Don't make me preach. In his mind, he's like, I don't have, there is no resistance. There is absolutely, I'm going to walk to that tape and they're going to let me in because I'm the coach's son. Sure enough, here you go. Come in. Walk in authority and boldness. I, man, I feel the Lord. Acts chapter 4 verse 29. Very popular, very popular form of scripture. Saint, listen, the same Peter that snuck around in a fire, sneaky, to try to hide the truth that he was scared, lack of boldness, right? And that he didn't want to get recognized as a follower of Jesus. The same Peter who lied to a girl who was recognizing him. Can you imagine someone three times saying, you're a Christian, aren't you? No, 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 you know, no, no, that's not me. No, 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 but there's something about you. You're a Christian. I know that. I'm just using you as an example. No, no, no. You got the wrong girl, dude. It's not me. It's my twin sister. It's not me. But I, but you were with Jesus. I saw you lifting up your hands. I saw you praying for people a couple years ago. You're, you're a Christian. Maybe that person needs something. No, no. That same Peter, that was Peter, before the Holy Spirit, watch this, after the Holy Spirit, he was faced with even fiercer people and accusations. And look what Peter, look what Peter happened. What happened to Peter? Lord, hear their threats. They're praying. Give us your servant. Great what? Boldness. 
in preaching your word. Why? Because they were being threatened. Stretch out your hand to heat and healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of the holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place was shook and they were filled with... Come on, I can't hear you. They were filled with... One more time. They were filled with... And they preached the word of God with boldness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gave them boldness. They were able to look at the people in the eye and said, what do you rather us have us do? Obey you or obey God? We must obey God. Do what you want with me, but I'm not disobeying God. Man, Jesus. Luke 9.1 was a foreshadow. He said, I give you power and authority. Power and authority. Can I hear an amen? And then last but not least, there's more. The fifth manifestation of a spirit-filled Christian. Do you want to be a spirit-filled Christian? Lift up your hands if you want to be a spirit-filled Christian based on the Bible, not based on the American Christianity. Right? Spirit-filled Christian. Guys, is it fair to say that the apostles faced a lot more persecution than we do today? Is it fair to say that? Then they had more to, they had more of an excuse to act like we're acting. Come on, man. They had more of an excuse to say, you know what? God will understand if I take a break and I stop serving him for a while because I, I am sore. Fifth one. Put that fifth attribute up. Great love for the word of God and prayer. A spirit-filled believer has a insatiable hunger for the Word of God and for prayer. Before the Spirit came on the disciples, they fell asleep in prayer. After the Holy Spirit came, they initiated prayer everywhere they went. They were in going to the temple on the way to prayer. They were in the upper room praying. They were constantly praying, praying. And I'm going to skip so that, so because of time because I'm going to pray. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, you can't even pray without the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because in Romans 8.26 it says he gives, you, you don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit, look at this. We don't know what God wants to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays with us with groanings that cannot be expressed. So the Holy Spirit helps us with the fire of the Word of God and prayer. Last but not least, I'm shutting this off so you know. In Acts chapter 6. When they were about to minister. Look what they said. They said, therefore select among yourselves. Because there was, there was a problem with the widows not being taken care of. So Stephen was, was taking care of them. He said, brethren, select seven men. An, a, an attested character and repute full of the Holy Spirit. He says, that this is one of the requirements. This is one of the requirements to, to take care of the affairs of the widows. Right? Filled with the Spirit and wisdom, who may assign to look after this business. Watch, watch this. This is my prayer here. Next verse. But we will continue. Are you ready? Are you ready? We will continue to devote ourselves primarily, steadfastly, to prayer, the ministry of the Word. To prayer and the ministry of the Word. I guarantee you, that I'm not saying this to, to rebuke you, but if we're Spirit-filled, this place will be packed every Tuesday night in prayer. Yes, I know we have jobs. Yes, I know it's different from then. Yet, I understand all that. But let's not miss the principle either. Are we okay 
with our level of Christianity just because we have to raise a family? Are we okay with the level of our Christianity just because we have a job? Are we okay with that? Or do we really want more of the Holy Spirit? I want us to stand up. Come on, stand up. Everyone stand up. Praise God. I want to provoke you today, this morning. Young people, young adults, adults. I want to provoke you today to not be satisfied any longer with your elementary beginning walk with God. That's great. Don't be satisfied with walking with the Lord for 20 years and not having any authority or power or victory. Come on, church. Don't be satisfied with just complaining at everything that happens to you and you don't have the joy. The joy that the Bible says the Holy Spirit gave these apostles. Guess what, guys? If it was possible for them when they were severely persecuted, can it be possible in America when we have a little bit less persecution? Wave your hands at me. How, how many want? We're going to worship now. But before we leave, I want a raise of hands. How many say, I want to have the characteristics of the New Testament believer. I'm hungry for it. I want the characteristics of a spiritual Christian. Come on. I want to lift up your hands. Guess what? If you look at the book of Acts and you look at our lives, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself. We are so far away. Guys, all I'm saying, I'm not saying that you're defeated. I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm not saying that you don't love God. I'm just saying there's so much more. Come on, lift up your hands all over this place. Come on, let's sing. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.